today we are finishing up our 21-day dedication. Uh, and I, I saw I said hi to Jane earlier, and, and she was here. Is she still here, or she had to move on? Um, so Jane was here, and she's like, happy end, but not really end to our dedication. And I'm like, I couldn't have said it any better. Thank you, Jane. Like, it's an end to our dedication, but really... I mean, we stay dedicated to the Lord, amen? We stay seeking his will. We stay seeking uh, his words over us, and we want to follow him. And so the Lord led me to, to this passage of Scripture. Let's go to John chapter 6, and we're going to start from verse 66 and move on from there. John six, sixty-six. It says this, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. May the blessing of the Lord be upon the reading and the studying of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather in your presence to study your word. Lord, I have lots of things that I'm feeling, lots of things that I want to say. But we didn't come to listen to what I want to say. I want to speak your words. Your words are spirit and they are life. So, Lord, stifle me when I'm speaking. Bless the ravens today because we're all ravens. And bless your word. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. If I had purple, I would have worn purple today. <laughs> 49ers too. And those lions are... That'll be a, hopefully it's, it'll be a fun game. Okay, so we're finishing up our 21-day dedication with a message called Full Devotion. Let me hear you say Full Devotion. And so before we jump back into the passage and even to the, the verses before, I, I really want to share the, the meaning of devotion so that we can get a picture in our heads as to what we mean by full devotion to the Lord. That way we can get a picture in our head. So as we study this passage and the background of this passage, it'll help inform like how we interpret this, how we understand these words of Jesus and this passage in its entirety so so devotion is defined as this and we, we should have it up on the screen devotion is love loyalty or enthusiasm for a person activity or cause so it's anything you have love for, anything you have loyalty towards, and any enthusiasm. In this case, it would be we're, we're focusing on enthusiasm for the Lord activity or cause. This is what devotion is, and this is what it looks like. So I'm asking the Lord, like, how, how are we supposed to understand full devotion? That means full love. That means that before you love mom or dad, sister or brother, spouse or kid, we love him more. 
We love him first and we love him more. We have loyalty to him more than this world. We have loyalty to him sometimes even more than, than family members, sometimes even more than those who are we, we are in relationship with first. We have to be loyal to him. And if our loyalty to someone else would break our loyalty with him, our choice is to stay and remain loyal to him. That he would have our full enthusiasm, our full activity, our full cause, like we would be devoted to him. But it's also this, devotion can also be prayer, religious worship, and religious observance. That he would have our full hearts and minds during prayer. <laughs> someone was joking, I heard someone joking on YouTube uh, earlier saying, my wife started a conversation by saying, you're not even listening to me, are you? And I thought, what a weird way to start a conversation. But that when we would pray, he would have our full attention. We just, that's what we just sang, that we would give you all our attention. That all eyes would be on him. Our eyes, our attention would be solely on him. We're going to jump in verse 60, but, but before we do... I, I do want to share what Jesus was sharing before this with his disciples. He's, he's sharing this with people that want to follow him. And he says things along the likes of, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood will abide in me and all abide in him. And this really did not sit well with many of his disciples. And that's where we jump in. Look at verse 60, John 6, 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? The, the, the denotation here for the word hard is, is rough, harsh, severe, and violent. And so this is where I would say... This is where we find out whether a disciple has full devotion to the Lord or not when the going gets tough. When something is shared with a disciple that the disciple does not like, that the disciple does not understand, if we do not have full devotion to him, that is the time where we're going to find out. You have hundreds of them shaken up by his words, eat my flesh, drink my blood. What did we sign up for? What kind of a teacher is this? Remember, he's saying, hey, my flesh is bread, and you should eat it if you want to follow me. There's, I wouldn't necessarily call it a theme, but there's something that happens numerous times in the book of John, where the people that Jesus is speaking to, he's speaking in a symbolic way, and they take it literally. Remember when he's talking to the ruler Nicodemus, and he's saying, you got to be born again. What did Nicodemus say? Shall I enter up again into my mother's womb and come out? What is he doing? He's taking him literally. But Jesus was talking about a new, a different kind of new birth, amen? 
And so in the same way here, he's not speaking literally. He's not saying, hey, come and take a bite out of crime. Like he's saying, like he's speaking symbolically here. But I think it goes a bit further than just that. See, in Jesus' day, bread was eaten at every meal. Sometimes, or most of the time, it was the only thing that was eaten during a meal. So what Jesus is really saying is, I'm going to be your daily bread. You're going to rely on me and me alone to sustain you. And I think they got, they got, they got scared of that. They got scared because they wanted to live sometimes without him. They got scared because he was demanding their full devotion. He was telling him, you cannot, he was telling them, you cannot live without me. And they wanted to be able to live without him. And so this is where he demands their full devotion. And this is where they're going to prove that they don't, that he doesn't have it. Look at verse 61. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling. Let me hear you say. <laughs> They're grumbling about this. Said to them, do you take offense at this? Jesus, is, Jesus notices that they're grumbling, that they're complaining, that they're gongizmaing, gongizmasing. Jesus notices and he asks a question that doesn't need an answer. He's speaking to them like they're dull because they are dull. When he says, what? I know you're complaining. I can perceive you're grumbling and complaining. Do you take offense at this? Of course they're taking offense at this. He's saying, hey, you need to rely fully on me. And they get offended at this. We might miss this reading in English, but, 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 but the word he uses here is the word scandalizo which means stumble, an occasion to fall, or a stumbling block. In other words, these people are causing a reason to stumble for a, something that shouldn't be a reason to stumble. These people are using these words that are spirit in our life. We're going to see that. They're, they're using these words as an occasion to stumble for something that should not be an occasion to stumble. Are, are, are we getting that? They're scandalizing. They're making something. They're turning something into a stumbling block that should not be a stumbling block. I would argue that scandalizing is a favorite pastime for immature believers. And that they could have the best teacher on planet Earth ever. And yet still cause a reason to scandalize. They've got the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life, the lion and the lamb of God right in front of them. And immature believers will take 
anything, whether it's today, whether it's down the line, whether it's way in the future, they will take anything that shouldn't be a reason to stumble and turn it into a reason to stumble. They'll say, hey, during ministry time, you always go pray for them that raise their hands and you never really come to me, even though I don't raise up my hand. And they'll take something that shouldn't be. Are you following? They'll take a, yeah, you looked at me different and really they just had indigestion. You looked at me and really they just had Taco Bell the night before and, and they're struggling. Right? <laughs> they're fighting, they're repelling the attacks from the devil. Like Martin Luther. Come on, Remember? Today say amen. I don't need you to repel the attacks of the devil today. Only by saying amen. This proves to Jesus that they didn't have that he didn't have their full devotion. So so for me I'm like okay. Don't Make a reason to stumble out of something that shouldn't be a reason to stumble. Someone with me? There's times where, man, that could trip me up. But I shouldn't make that a reason to trip me up. They didn't intend that. I know they didn't mean that. Why would I take it as such? Lord, you have my full devotion. Let's keep going. Look at verse 62. Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? <laughs> Here's what the Lord's doing. Not only is he admitting his pre-existence here, he's saying, okay, you, you want something that you really should be offended about? You want me to give you something that you should be offended about? I'm about to get out of here. You don't want to rely on me? Okay, don't rely on me. I'm about to be out of here. I'm going to go. What would you do then? Who would you rely on then? Who would you follow then? Whose words would you listen to then? If you read the passage before, we can say, who's going to bring you food then? We move on, verse 63, verse 64, I should say. No, no, 63, 63, my bad. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of little help. If, if you get used to the habits and, and you get, no, what does it say? The flesh is of no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. What Jesus is saying is, hey, if you're trying to understand my words on your own power or in your own understanding, the flesh isn't going to help you. You've got to rely on the spirit of God. The only way we're going to understand the Lord's words, the only way we're going to be able to give him our full devotion is by relying on the spirit's power. 
The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that he's talking about right here. The flesh is not going to help you have full devotion to the Lord. So as mature believers, we do not rely on the flesh at all. It's almost like if Jesus is foreshadowing when he leaves. He would say, he would tell his disciples, it's going to be better for you that I leave. Why? Because when I leave, I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the spirit that he's talking about right here. He says, he shall be in you and will lead you and guide you into all truth. It's almost like Jesus is foreshadowing that. You want a reason to be offended? Okay, go ahead and be offended. I'm going to leave. But really, for my disciples who have given me their full devotion, I'm not going to leave them helpless. I'm going to empower them even more. Look at verse 64 and 65. Jesus is looking at them, and he says, but, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my father. A couple of takeaways here. One of them is that not believing kills the life of the Spirit in us. Not believing kills the work of the Spirit in us. Not believing causes us to not be able to rely on the Spirit's power through whom is the only way we can do it. It was apparent to Jesus who it was that did not believe how he could see who it was that didn't give him their full devotion. He could see who it was that was following him, not what they could do for him, but rather what he could do for them. In verse 65, he clarifies what we need to do to give our full devotion to him, and that's to be granted by the Father. You see that in verse 65? No one can come to me unless it is granted him or her by the Father. For me, this harkens back to the Lord's Prayer. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If he is to grant us, we have to have our will be swallowed up in his will. We've already died to ourselves. Remember we started there? <laughs> we've already died to ourselves. We've come alive in Christ. We take up our cross and follow him daily. We follow him with the intent to copy him in every circumstance. So if we're already sold out to him... We've been granted by the Father. If we're already following Him, we've been granted full devotion 
by the Father. And now we get to verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. One time someone came up to me and said, you know that verse where they turned back? Guess what citation it is? 666. And I was like, all right, man. <laughs> you, you got it. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Man, man, they, they turned back and, and no longer walked with him. Rather than saying, could you just please explain it just a bit further? Explain it to me like I'm five years old. Our God is a good God, and we can come to him and say, hey, explain it to me like I'm five years old, please. <laughs> I, I need to understand this. I want to understand this. He's not going to say, no, you're dull. No, he's going to explain it to us. If we can just have the humility to admit that. But here, we have disciples who didn't give him their full devotion, these are half-hearted seekers of God who enjoyed the benefits of the fish and loaves, but left Jesus the second something happened that they did not understand. That's how we can tell they didn't have full devotion. When things got hard, they left him. When things got tough, rather than struggling to understand, rather than wrestling to understand, rather than wrestling to walk with him and rely only on him, they walked away from him. They didn't give him full devotion. This is the word of God made flesh. And they're walking away from him. This is the one whom John the Baptist said, Behold the Son of God. Behold the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and finisher of our faith, perfecter of our faith, the one who matures our faith, the one who helps us take a step forward day in and day out. And these disciples were walking with him. And they saw his power. And they still walked away. They saw him multiply a, a happy meal into feeding everybody. Baskets left over, nuggets for everyone. And they still walked away from him. Immaturity, if immaturity creeps in our hearts, it's possible for us to walk away from him, walk away from his agenda in our life. It's possible to take even reasons that we are really hurt by, like that, that, that you're understandably hurt by, and taking it out on him and then causing ourselves to stumble for a reason we shouldn't stumble. It's possible. The flesh is of no help to us. We only rely on the Spirit. Here, here's what I noticed, and, and I want to read this because I don't want to get this wrong. 
I wrote down, they, they weren't only scared of what they didn't understand, the literal symbolic nature of Jesus' words, but more so, they were afraid of the intimate nature and intimacy with God that Jesus' words implied. You catch that? They're afraid of the intimate nature and intimacy with God that Jesus' words implied. Rely on me and only me. Rely on the Spirit and only on the Spirit. And they, they, they ran. They got scared. They got nervous. And they ran from the presence of God. From the Prince of Peace, they ran because they were afraid of intimacy. Look at verse 67. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? I, I imagine Jesus here is annoyed. I'd be. If he wasn't, I am. I'm annoyed for you, Lord. <laughs> Here he is. And he sees all of these disciples who saw miracles leave. And he takes the brunt of that and takes it out on the ones that he loves the most, the ones that have given him their full devotion. He takes what should be given to those cowards. And he almost takes the brunt out on those who are still close, those who are still nearby. Has that ever happened to you or have you ever done that? You take something out on someone who you should be loving on, but really it's because they're closest and you're like, I need to hurt something or hurt someone because I'm hurting and here it goes. Why don't you throw that away? Right? Why don't you ever put your dish away? Pastor Abby doesn't tell me that. She's, she's much too nice, right? He takes it out on them, what, what should be taken out on those others. But here's how I know Jesus means business. The, the, the way that he forms this question sets out the answer to be a negative one. What? Are you going to leave me too? The easiest thing is to say, yeah, yeah mob mentality, herd mentality of if these hundreds, thousands are leaving you, why would we stay? They'd see something. People aren't dumb. Maybe they know something that we don't know. Maybe they can see something that we don't see. Imagine Jesus is frustrated. What? You're going to leave me too? As, as the others are leaving, as cowardice is in the atmosphere, as fear is in the atmosphere, as misunderstanding is in the atmosphere, Jesus tells his disciples, his 12, are you going to leave me too? The cool thing, when, when he says, do you want to go away as well, that expresses a decision based on one's feelings. What, are you going to see others leaving? And so are you going to leave me too? The disciples must have been shaken seeing these disciples leave. Seeing people who had seen the power of God leave. 
He says, what, are your feelings wanting to leave too? Let's look at verse 68 and 69. We'll, we'll finish here. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Man, Peter starts off right. He says, Lord. He says, Master. There's no one else we can rely on. There's no one else that is our bread of life. Master, Lord, to whom shall we go? Who can do the things that you've done for us? The answer is no one. To whom shall we go? Who can provide for us the way that you provide? Who can we rely on who is faithful and true that, that would be faithful as well? There's no one. Peter tells him, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words that we know are spirit and life because your words have changed us forever. We've followed you and you've taught us and we've learned what we could never learn from anyone else. It's like they could have, Peter could have stopped right there and said, you are my daily bread. A piano would have come out of nowhere. Dun, dun. You are our daily bread. There's no one else that can be our daily bread. Where else would we go? Nowhere. Verse 69, we have believed and have come to know. That, that phrasing can also be rendered as we have come to know and still know. Think about what Peter is saying here, we have come to know and we still know that you are the Holy One of God. Despite what we have seen, we know that you are the Holy One of God. We've seen you teach, we've seen you perform miracles, we've seen people leave you and desert you, and we still know, nevertheless, that you're the Holy One of God. Because he had their full devotion. Man. We came to believe and after watching you, learning from you, following you, we still know it to be true. You are the Holy One of God. And you have our full devotion. I, I want for us to pray to finish here and I want for us to pray simply focusing on the desire to give him your full devotion if we can take it a step further simply relying on giving him our full devotion our full love our full loyalty, our full enthusiasm, no matter what's going on in our lives. To give Him our full attention in prayer and worship and praise. To give Him our full religious observance. To give Him our full devotion. I hope you're encouraged as I am 
by this passage to see that he's the only one that is deserving of our full devotion. He's the only one that has the words of life for you. He's the only one whose word is a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. Let's ask him to help us in the power of the Spirit to give him our full devotion. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus asking you to keep your spirit in our lives and in our hearts that we rely on the spirit's power to empower us to give you Jesus you father you spirit our full devotion our God deserves our full devotion our full love, our full loyalty, our full enthusiasm, even in the midst of tough times, chaotic times, times of unrest. You deserve our full devotion. Lord, help us to not scandalize things that should not be scandalized. And help us to make you our daily bread. Help us to eat your bread, drink your blood, and in doing so, you abide in us and we abide in you. Lord, we humbly and honorably give you our full devotion. May you be lifted up on high by the way we live our lives. We can only do this by relying on you. So we do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd love to say a blessing over you if I can this morning. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may you and I go forth giving him our full devotion. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you very much.